Again, thank you for being with us this morning. I don't know about you, but I could listen to those ladies sing all day long, man. What an incredible blessing they were to us. Band, incredible job. Everybody, thank you for leading us in that way. Hey, if it's your first time here, first time in a long time, as Ryan said, you are a special guest. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we've got some visitor forms in there. Fill that out for us. Take it to the Welcome Center. We'll get you a coffee mug. I'll send you a letter this week just introducing myself and explaining more about this church. Uh, we'd love for you to be a part of what God is doing. I think we're on the brink, church, of something really important uh, in this church. We're on the brink of a really uh, incredible season for us. And I just want us to all be on, on board. And I want us to be, all be excited about it. And I want our visitors to be a part of it as well. So hopefully you'll stick it out with us. Uh, we're in the middle of a new sermon series entitled uh, Renewed. We're walking through the book of Daniel together to see what it means and what it looks like uh, to fear God and to follow God in a culture that's completely forgotten about God. And so far in our series, we've seen in chapter one what a renewed distinctiveness looks like, what it means to stand out, to stand away, to stand up for God, what it means really to, to live with less stuff. So hopefully you can live with more of the Spirit. Last week in chapter 2, we talked about what it meant to have a renewed discernment, asking and then allowing God to speak life into you and then to pour life-giving truth out of you. And this morning in chapter 3, I'm excited to talk about a renewed determination. Let me pray for us one more time. God, our prayer is that you would speak to us now. Our prayer is that we would encounter you, that we'd be changed by you, that we would know truth, and that it would set us free. Make it so. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but I love a good oxymoron. Uh, and for those of you that think I just called you a bad name or a bad word, uh, an oxymoron is a figure of speech. It's a figure of speech which apparently contradictory terms, they appear in combination with one another. Basically two words that shouldn't go together and yet we put them together all the time. There are some great ones out there. You've got jumbo shrimp, uh, act naturally, pretty ugly, only choice, virtual reality, original copy, crash landing, steel wool, or my favorite, Microsoft works. <laughs> See, oxymorons, they are a big part, a big part of our culture, our vocabulary. And to be honest with you, oxymorons are actually a big part of our faith. They're a big part of the Christian worldview. Servant leader, God man, virgin birth, freely chosen, perfected sinner. Oh, there are certain words and concepts, cer certain truths and realities that at first glance, they don't appear to go together at all, but God has the unique ability to bring these things together, and when he does, they actually bring us life. Let me show you. It's in Daniel chapter 3. If you have a Bible, I want you to open it there. The book of Daniel is about 10,000 young Jewish men who've been taken hostage, who've been taken captive, if you will, by the evil King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is the ruler of the Babylonian Empire, and they're the bully on the block. And they take over every single little nation that surrounds them, including God's little nation of Judah. But instead of killing all of his captives, Nebuchadnezzar likes to convert them. Instead of incarcerating them, he tries to indoctrinate them. So instead of sending you to your death, he sends you to Babylon State University. It's the best three years Babylonian money can buy. And the book of Daniel gives us great insight into the life and times, the experiences of four of those 10,000 young men, Daniel and his three friends. And thus far in our story, we've really focused on Daniel, but now in chapter 3, the story shifts to the three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you remember back to last week, Daniel looks to the Lord for wisdom, to knowledge. That last song that Kim sang, Lord, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. You're where my wisdom comes from. That was true for Daniel. And God was happy to give it to him. In fact, he had so much wisdom. He was so insightful into so many things that King Nebuchadnezzar took notice. And so he promoted Daniel to a position of great influence. But what was incredible is that Daniel, as he's being promoted, asked that part of the package deal include the promotion of his three friends. Would you be willing to do that? You get a promotion at work. Like, wait, I'm not going to take it unless three of my coworkers get promotions as well. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen. Okay, whatever. I just thought I'd throw it out there. But think about that. It'd be incredible, wouldn't it? So his three friends get a promotion. The problem is that promotion sends those three guys to the far end of the Babylonian province. They're no longer living with or next to Daniel. But we're going to see that these three guys are just as crazy, just as courageous, and just as committed. Now, so far in our story, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's kind of been subtly trying to change you into a Babylonian person. He's trying to change his recruits from what he fed them to what he taught them to what he called them. But here in chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's done with the subtleties. It's time to turn up the heat, literally. Let's read this text, Daniel 3. It's a long one, so stick with me. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. That would be 90 feet tall. That is taller than this window outside here. You can see this window from most of Littleton, can you not? Well, imagine a, a statue that's even 30 feet taller than that. A golden statue. They think it was uh, a depiction of himself. Imagine that. And he set it up on the plain of Durin, or Dura, in the province of Babylon. And then he summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up, the ribbon-cutting ceremony. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, well, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as the, they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, though, some astrologers came forward and they denounced the Jews. But there are some Jews whom you've set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, these guys said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? If you do not worship, worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what god will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, 
Meshach and Abednego. His attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and all, and all the other clothes, oh, they were bound, they were thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up to it. And then these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace themselves. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into that fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, royal advisors, they crowded around them. They saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their, their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Wow. I got to fix this. Hold on. When you have a big head like me and weird ears, these things just don't work very well. This is quite possibly one of the most famous Bible stories in all of the Bible, is it not? I mean, when it comes to VBS or children's programming or theater productions, you can't go wrong with the fiery furnace of Daniel chapter 3. I mean, one of my favorite VeggieTales spoofs revolves around this story, right? The bunny, the bunny, yeah, I love the bunny. I don't love my mom or my dad, but the bun. You know this song. Come on, youth. I was waiting for you to jump in. Jeez, you leave me hanging like that. You messed up. What I want you to see this morning is this story is not just for children. It's for Christians of all ages. This story has something to say to every single one of us. It has something to teach every single one of us. And I know it looks or sounds oxymoronic. It looks like the furnace can't be good for the faith. Those two things don't go together. The opposite is true. You see, your faith is actually forged in the furnace and by the furnace. Faith comes through the furnace, and real faith has to go into the furnace. And let me show you. I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. When I talk about the furnace... I'm talking symbolically about anything in life that rocks you to the core, that pushes you to the brink, that drives you to your knees. A furnace is that which is extremely difficult to walk through. It's so hard to deal with. It might be a physical ailment. It might be a medical condition. It might be a broken relationship, a broken home, a broken heart. It might be the loss of a job, the loss of a marriage, the loss of a loved one. I mean, furnaces can take on any number of different forms. But just like in Daniel 3, they are always incredibly intense, incredibly scary, and incredibly painful. And these three boys, well, they can relate to the furnaces that we go through. They can relate on multiple levels. You see, our furnaces are symbolic. Theirs was anything but. Theirs was literally scorching hot. 
And yet these boys were willing to go right into it, right into the middle of the furnace, which amazes me because from what we gather, these three guys have built for themselves a pretty decent life here in Babylon. I mean, they've been promoted. They're in positions of leadership. They have influence over others. Chances are they married beautiful Babylonian women. They have well-behaved Babylonian kids. They got the newest version of the Babylonian iPad, right? I mean, they just, Babylon's been good to them. Yet in this moment, they said, we'll give all of that up. We will sacrifice all of that for God. We prayed against the spirit of hesitation. Those boys had no hesitation at all. Part of me wants to say, though, as I read the story, guys, just bow down and worship the statue, right? Just play Nebuchadnezzar's little game. Do what he wants. Just pacify the crowds. Jump through the hoops. Go through the motions. Do what everybody else is, what everybody else is doing. Surely God won't hold that against you. But what makes this chapter, what makes this story, what makes this moment so important and why we talk about them thousands of years after they are dead and gone, you know why? They didn't take the easy way out. They didn't do what I would have done. They didn't do what most of us probably would have done. See, the furnace didn't cause them to question their faith. The furnace didn't fill them with crippling fear. The furnace didn't cause them to flip out. The furnace forged their faith. And it honestly has the power to do the same for us, guys. See, there is great blessing when there's a great chance you're going to get burned. Again, it sounds like an oxymoron. No, it doesn't. Jumbo shrimp, what you talking about? Great blessing when you're about to get burned? Yes. But in order for that to be true for us, we have to cling to three truths that come out of this story. You see, those three boys came out of that furnace, and with them came three truths that have the power to change your life. The first is this. Walking through a furnace does not mean that God has failed or that you have failed. Walking through a furnace does not mean that God has failed you or that you have failed God. In 1978, all the firemen in England, they went on strike. So the British Army stepped in to fill the void. One day, the makeshift firefighters responded to your stereotypical call about a cat stuck way up in a tree. Well, after rescuing the cat for its 92-year-old owner, the firefighters were invited in for a cup of tea. The Army men gladly agreed to the break, but first they had to move the fire truck out of the street. And as they did, they ran over the cat. Oops. You see, failure. Failure. We all know what it looks like. We all know what it feels like. And for one reason or another, we all tend to associate furnaces with failure. When we're thrown to a furnace of, of one kind or another, when bad things happen to us, when our health fails, when our job ends, when we lose the baby, when our kids walk away, we tend to think that something is wrong. Wrong with God or wrong with us. If God is a good God, then he would never let his people go through this. Or better yet, if, if I'm a good Christian, if I were good enough, then I wouldn't be walking through something like this. Surely a good God and good Christians would never have to endure a furnace, right? Wrong. Infernos do not come as a result of insufficiency on your part or on God's part. God is good, and you still might find yourself in a furnace. Your faith might be really strong, but you might still find yourself in a furnace. You see, furnaces are a part of our faith. And in fact, in the scripture, we learn time and time and time again that God uses the furnace to strengthen our faith, to purify our faith, to test our faith, to approve our faith. Faith and furnaces go together like some of the oddest oxymorons out there. You see, God tends to use the furnace to do some of his best and most important work. 
Zechariah 13, 9, I will refine my people like silver and I will test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is our God. I don't want to go into all the details, but do you know how you refine silver? Do you know how you test gold? Flames. The furnace. So if you're in a furnace, I don't want you to ever think that God has failed you. And I don't want you to ever think that you have failed God. The opposite is, in fact, the case. God is refining you in this moment, purifying you in this moment. He's actually strengthening your faith amidst the flames. And it's not just you. That brings us to our second main takeaway from Daniel 3. Walking through a furnace is actually the way other people will come to see and know God. Walking through a furnace will help other people see and know God. Now I know the last thing that you want to talk about, the last thing you want to think about as you're walking through your own furnace, as you're walking through your own hell on earth, is what other people are saying, what other people are thinking. I could care less about you, man. I'm burnt toast right now. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. But the fact is other people are watching. And it does matter what they see. I don't know about you, but I'm always torn when someone posts something tragic or painful on Facebook. It's like, do, do I like it? You know, do I, do I like your struggle? Like, do I like the announcement that things are really falling apart in your life? Do, do, give me other options, Facebook. I want to support them, but I'm not sure I should like it. But maybe Facebook is actually on to something. Maybe we should like it because somehow through it, God is doing something incredible. Somehow God uses our furnaces to bless and help and serve and awaken a lot of other people in ways far greater than you could ever imagine. That's what makes Jesus' example so fascinating to me. Even as he's walking through his own furnace, and he walked through them time and time and time again, the furnace of ridicule and rejection, the furnace of pain and shame, the furnace of death and defeat. But you know what? As he was, as he was in his furnace, as he was walking through his own furnace, he always had others in mind. It's his very last night on earth. What is he doing? He's washing the disciples' feet. He cares about them more than he cares about his own furnace. With his very last breath, what is he doing? He's asking for forgiveness for his enemies. Again, he cares more about them than he does his own furnace. And I think we need to understand and come to terms with this truth. At the cross itself, the first convert, the first ever Christian, you know who it was? It was the Roman centurion who was standing watch at Jesus' crucifixion. It was the guy who watched Jesus go through his furnace. And after seeing him go through all of that, he said, surely that man was God. And you know what, church? The same can be true with us. As others walk with us or watch us walk through our own furnaces, they can and they will at the end of it say, there has to be a God. Because I've seen the way you've handled this. I've seen the good that's come out of this. Why does God make his people walk through the furnace? Why does he allow evil forces to throw people into furnaces? I don't know. Maybe it's because we have to show other people how to get through the furnace. Because it's going to come. She says, when the storm comes, when the furnace comes, it's going to happen. See, the same thing happens in Daniel 3. That happened in Daniel 3 can happen with us. King Nebuchadnezzar is watching them. He's watching how they handle this. And guess who comes to know the Lord later in this book? King Nebuchadnezzar. He even begins to praise God in this chapter, doesn't he? Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because I've seen what can be done and I've seen what happens in a furnace. Now, Nathan's going to show us next week, uh, this little transformation is going to take a while to stick with Nebuchadnezzar. But he begins to become a God follower in this moment because of what he sees in the furnace. 
I have to think that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5, 16. We always read this in a positive light, but read it while standing in the furnace. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, that they may see you, that they may see how you handle loss, that they may see how you endure pain, that they may see how you persevere through suffering. And because of what they see in you and in that furnace, they will come to know God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that to be true? That what they see of you, what they see, how they see you handling that furnace, it can result in them coming to know God. You see, our greatest witness, church, greatest witness is not some sermon. It's not some Bible tract. It's not some book. It's not some apologetics conference that we put on. You know what our greatest witness is? Walking faithfully through our furnace. That's our greatest witness to this world. It's believing and proclaiming exactly what those three guys in the story said. I trust God. He can get me out of this. And even if he doesn't, I still trust him. He's still good. And I still will follow him. And I will only and always worship him. You going to say that in your furnace? I hope that you will. I hope that you can. Now you can say that in the furnace for this reason. You see, God's not scared of sending you into the furnace because he is infinitely greater than the furnace. See, if the furnace and God were like on, on equal playing fields, it's like 49% of the time the furnace wins and 51% of the time God wins. Ooh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's dangerous. You're kind of rolling the dice. God's sending me in the furnace. What's going to happen? Whee! It's not that way. God is infinitely greater than the furnace. So he's not scared to send you into it because he knows that he's greater than it. Isaiah 43, do not fear. I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, it will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Is if you can cling to that truth about God, then as you pass through the waters, as you walk through the river, as you go through the fire, other people will actually come to know God. If you can believe that to be true about your God, other people will come to know him as their God. Our third and final takeaway from this text is this. Walking through a furnace is actually the way that we experience more of God. You see, God doesn't give us answers as to why furnaces exist in the first place or why bad things happen to good people or why pagan kings can throw you into the flames. But you know what he does instead? He's with you in the middle of it. He walks with you through it all. It's easy in the furnace, isn't it, to say, where in the world are you, God? Why did you leave me? Why did you abandon me in my moment of greatest need? But the reality is he's right there. He's literally standing next to you as he was those three boys in the furnace. When the heat gets cranked up, so does his presence. That's what I think Daniel 3 is trying to show us. See, 12-year-old boys in one ancient civilization had to go through this rite of passage on the eve of their 13th birthday. So that night, their family would blindfold them, lead them deep into the woods, and then leave them at the base of a tree where they were told they had to sit still for the entire night. No matter what happened, no matter what they heard, no matter what came up to them, they had to remain seated and blindfolded for 10 hours of darkness. And you can imagine, right, the trepidation, the fear. You're being led. First, you don't know where you go. And then when they tell you to sit, and that hand slowly leaves your own, you can imagine the fear of that moment. All right, talk about a furnace. Little did the boys know, though, they weren't alone. Their father was actually sitting on the other side of a tree the entire night. 
And no matter how scared they were, no matter how much they yelled out, no matter, no matter how many tears they shed, their dad was right next to them, watching them, protecting them, seeing how they were going to handle themselves in this moment. The Father hasn't left your presence in the furnace. He's right there next to you in the furnace. You see, in Daniel 3, these boys are literally tied up. They're thrown to this huge torture chamber. You could say God has left the building in this moment. And yet if you look closer, if you could just look through the flames, you will see there's someone else in there. There's someone else in that furnace, and it's God. He's right there with you in the middle of those flames. He joined them in that place. And not only did he join them in that place, but he actually manifested his power in that place in a way they'd never seen before. I love in this text how it says Nebuchadnezzar called the strongest guys around to tie these boys up. As if like regular chains and wimpy guys like me just weren't good enough. But no, we need to crank these chains on. Get these ties really strong on there. He throws them in. They're wearing their turbans, it says, their trousers, their clothes. They're thrown into the thing. It's crazy. This is a, this is a crazy scene. So God shows up in that moment. He's with them in that moment, but he also demonstrates and manifests his power for them in that moment. It says that the chains are loosened. They're standing tall and free and upright. It says they smell like a can of Febreze in the middle of this furnace. You see, God showed up and showed himself to them in ways he would have never otherwise been able to outside of the furnace. It's amazing to me. We run and hide. We kick and scream when it comes to the furnace. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's in that furnace where you will meet God. Maybe, just maybe, it's in that furnace where you will see God in a way you've never seen him before. Maybe that's why the Bible says, hey, guys, uh, rejoice when you're thrown in the furnace. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice? What what are you talking about, rejoice in the furnace? Yes, rejoice because I know that God does his best work in the furnace. I know that I will see an attribute and characteristic and trait of God I've never seen outside of the furnace. So come on, furnace. Come on. Like the three boys say, come on. If you want a deeper experience with God, if you want to take your faith to the next level, then step into the furnace. That's where God is. And that's where he will always be. This is, I thought about this last night as I was kind of thinking and reflecting on this message. But our prayer, our hope should be as, to, to want to be as close to Christ as possible. That we will do anything and everything to make that a reality. And if Christ is in that furnace, then I should want to go there too. And here's the beautiful thing. Every time I'm in, I, I'm in my own furnace, he will be there. So furnaces, we all know what they look like. We all know what they feel like. And typically we assume that they're going to destroy our faith or they're there because we don't have enough faith. But the opposite is true. Furnaces are designed, as oxymoronically as it sounds, to forge your faith, to strengthen your faith, to test and approve your faith. Now some things, some words just don't go together. Jumbo shrimp, come on. Your only option, really? That just doesn't work. But a fiery faith, the blessing of being burned, that actually does go together. It goes together really well. So what do we do this week? Well, here are some of my takeaways for you. I want you to do a couple things for me. One, I want you to reach out to someone that's faithfully walked through a furnace over the course of the last couple of months or years. I want you to reflect on your own life, and I want you to find someone that's walked through a furnace, and I want you to tell them, thank you. Thank you, and I'm proud of you. 
Thank you, and what you did in that moment was, was about so much more than just you or your immediate family. What you did in that furnace blessed so many people. It brought life to so many other people. So thank you for being faithful in your furnace. Would you do that for me this week? Would you find somebody? And would you tell them thank you? If you know somebody right now who's going through a furnace, how about you manifest the presence of Christ for them? Maybe they feel like they're all alone in that furnace. There's not that fourth character with them right now. They don't see dad right behind them in that tree. How about you show up? How about you go be with them and say, you're not alone in this flame. I will walk with you and right next to you in this furnace. Would you do that for me? Would you find someone in a furnace right now and tell them they're not alone? And then if you're in a furnace this week, I really want you to pray over these three truths because I honestly believe they have the power to help you through whatever you're going through. What is happening right now is not because God has failed you or because you have failed God. The opposite is true. What you're going through right now is so much more, so much bigger than just you. The world is somehow gonna find life and find God through your furnace. And you are about to experience God in a way you've never thought possible. But it's only in the flames. These are hard truths and difficult truths. Let me pray them over you and we'll get you out of here. God, there's not a lot of laughter today in this topic because it's heavy stuff. And it's because we don't speak in hypothetical terms about furnaces. We all know exactly what they mean. From health stuff to marriage stuff to kids stuff to money stuff to fear stuff to relational stuff, God. There are so many furnaces in this world. And typically we run away from them, God. Typically we think that they're a punishment from you or a consequence for disobedience, God, or lack of faith. But nothing could be further from the truth. Sometimes the furnace is exactly what our faith needs and exactly what will take it to the next level. And so I pray, God, for those, I thank, excuse me, I thank you, God, for those who have faithfully walked through furnaces throughout the course of my life that I've witnessed be faithful amidst the flames. Thank you for the real life Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's, many of whom are in this room right now. Help us to lift them up and thank them and tell them that we're so proud of them for the way they handled their furnace. For those who are in a furnace right now, God, I pray that we will come alongside of them. For those that we know and love and care about, coworkers, friends, neighbors, would we know enough about them, God, would we interact enough with them so that we know when they're in a furnace? And when they are in that furnace, would we come right alongside of them and say, you're not alone in this place. I'm here and God is too. And God, for those in this sanctuary, in this room right now who are going through a furnace themselves, would you drill home? Would you bring to life the truths that were shared this morning? Would they know that you are there you are present, you're about to manifest your power, you are doing something incredible, and this is not a punishment, this is part of the plan. God, help us to see Daniel 3, it's not just a kid's story, not just some child's uh, Veggie Tales movie, help us to see it as a life-changing reality. Yeah, please make it so. We bless you, we love you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, church, for being here today. Would you put a dollar in the bin on your way out so we can bless a family in need? Have an amazing afternoon. There's a game this afternoon, I think around one o'clock, you might, you might wanna watch it. Uh, but have an amazing week. Be strong and courageous.